Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with pastor of Reunion Church in Dallas, Texas, Richard Ellis. He'll take the next few minutes to encourage us with Christmas hope and to challenge us to learn more and grow closer to God's greatest gift, His Son, our Savior, Jesus. It's the 25 Talks of Christmas, a different holiday-themed talk each and every day, all month long. Of course, you can always listen to, download, and share this or any talk anytime from the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar at richardellistalks.com. So let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Baby Proof. All right, go to Genesis chapter 3. Let's start at the front. Genesis chapter 3. Sometimes I wonder, you know, if you explained it all, if you sat down with somebody and they said, well, here are all my questions, would they still believe And some people, you think, we have all these discussions, they have all these questions, but in the final analysis, if I could just prove to you that God is who he says he was, and that he did what he said he was going to do, and he says what he's going to do, and that's going to happen, it's all documented, would you believe? You go, eh, probably not. Then what's the point? Part of the point is that you are able to have a discussion and hopefully keep somebody in the conversation long enough for them to believe. What kind of proof would you need to believe? What would it take? I'm going to start from the left and go right and read you some verses. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, and let's start after everything got screwed up when they sinned, and God has come to them in the cool of the day, looking for them. Of course, he knows where they are. Verse 9, then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? You've never been naked before, or at least you weren't aware of that. Have you eaten from the tree of which I had commanded that you should not eat? Now, by the way, when God asks questions, it's not that he doesn't know the answers. He's trying to see if you're going to be honest. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave him the tree and I ate. It's her fault. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Everybody deflecting, pointing somewhere else. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, so he starts and he goes backwards. He tells the serpent what's going to happen to him, then he moves back to the man and the woman. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And then this is the verse. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. In my translation, it's a capital S because this seed here is the seed that would be used to impregnate Mary in the future. And by the way, women do not have seed. I'm not going to do a sex class here today, but that's not how it works. So you'd think, well, there's something wrong with the scriptures. It's wrong. Mary ends up with seed in her, but not from some man. It is from God himself, and we'll get to that. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So woman seed means there is a baby coming. Now this is from scratch. This is from the garden itself. It is foretold. You get this picture of a baby is coming. Now anybody who reads scripture and anyone who read it before Christ even came, 
you would think, and I wasn't back then, but just by the prophecies and if anybody understood anything, what you know is that God is not going to show up in the person of the Holy Spirit, which he had been doing for millennia. You can look at King Saul, different characters in the Old Testament, and the Holy Spirit would descend on someone, stay on them for a while, they could mess up, and he'd leave them. The New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes if you're a Christian, and he moves in you, and he moves in to stay. He will never leave you or forsake you. And not all denominations or different people believe this same thing. I believe once you become a Christian, you're stuck. Whether you like it or not, you're going to heaven. Even if you live like hell, you're going to end up in heaven. Now, you may get jacked when you get there, but you are going to make it. You say, well, I'm running from God. I think I became a Christian, but I'm not interested anymore. You will be. You may not be interested now, but you will be. Because he's God, and he can get your attention. You know, I got some kids. You try a certain, you say no, and in my house, no works pretty good. But sometimes in your house, no may not work. And you, it gets a little louder, no. But I'll tell you the no that God himself invented to shut kids down. Just take your cell phone away. Dude, you can change the world taking cell phones away. <laughs> one of the number one reasons for giving a child a cell phone is so you can take it back. I don't care what it costs you, give them a cell phone, get them addicted to it, and then take it away. That is some power up in here. That's what I'm saying. So he finishes what he starts. You believe something. What is it you believe? Why do you believe it? So we got a baby coming. Old Testament. I would think if I was back then, I'm like, you know, if you get old, you go, wow, he didn't show up. And I kind of feel this way now a little bit as a Christian expecting Jesus to come back. Because if I get a little older, you know, I don't do this every day, but the older I get, you kind of look up more. He might come back today. Because the Bible talks about trumpet sounding, boom, he's here. The dead in Christ, those that are alive, taken up in the air, I'd just soon get airlifted out of here as die, you know. So, and you live and you live and you live, and then you realize I'm going to die, and shoot, he didn't come after me, I got to die. How did that happen? And so all these people for hundreds and hundreds of years, those prophecies foretold, they read in the scriptures, the rabbis, whatever, teach them these things. They go, someday a baby's going to be born. Where is this baby? Go to Isaiah chapter 7. And without getting too technical on some of these prophecies, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this always gets read at Christmas. One thing that is important so you don't get confused, when you read a story, for instance, it is possible when you read a passage of Scripture that the actual, what is talked about there is not just foretelling something that will happen hundreds of years from then. Sometimes it refers to something that will happen in that immediate future. And it can be both. A virgin, for instance, is a young woman, a woman who's not married yet. So this passage, let's read it, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. This verse is not written to me today, and it's not written to anybody even 2,000 years ago. It's way before that. But the Lord himself will give you a sign. I think it was written to Ahaz here. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So you say, well, that's just about then. It's about then, possibly, but it is also foretelling what would happen and this kid being born and calling his name Emmanuel, which changes everything. God with us, that means he's got to be God if he's going to be God with us, which is not just some kid anymore. But a virgin shall conceive. And again, these things are impossible. Back to Genesis chapter 3, you go, women don't have seed. And virgins don't conceive unless something miraculous happens. So clearly here, we got a baby on the way and a miraculous baby at that. Go a few pages over to Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6, 
And sometimes I hesitate to read these verses. I think people know these verses, have heard them all life. Some of you have never heard these verses, so we're going to do it to remind people who do, and maybe for those of you who have never seen them, to see that this is in the Bible. Because you may hear this around the way at Christmas and songs or somebody reading something and go, I had no idea that was in the Bible even. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and specifically unto us a son is given. So now we got a child is going to be born, and he's going to be a little boy. So now you're not just watching for a baby, you're watching for a baby boy. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That is no ordinary baby. And there is nobody but Jesus that fits this description. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. There's only one Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, all these things he goes on to describe Jesus in that prophecy in Isaiah. Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And some of this just for the sake of reading some of this passage. Let's do verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So he comes to the virgin, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And come in, the angel said to her, and it's very important, you say, why do you keep calling her a virgin? Because she's got to be a virgin, or this deal ain't going to work. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And there's not modern science back then like we have now. What in the world are you talking about? You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. A baby is going to be born. Now, I do understand this a little bit, but it would seem a whole lot easier and less inconvenience if they had just said to Jesus, okay, look, we know this is going to be traumatic. The three of them get together in heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I tell you what, we're going to send you in for a weekend. And here's how it's going to go down. Maybe we'll get you there early on Thursday for dinner. You're going to have dinner. You're going to get arrested. They're going to crucify you. We're going to get you buried fast. Be in the grave. Third day, you'll be raised from the dead, and we'll get you out of there. We can do that. You just show up. You just appear. And you say, well, is that possible? After the resurrection, what happened? Jesus is just showing up and disappearing, showing up and disappearing, telling him, don't be afraid, it's me. He just appeared and disappeared. Why couldn't he just appeared on the planet, died on the cross, and gotten out? Because then it would not be the same for me. I got a Jesus who's been here and done this, not done what I've done, but he has been here and understands what it is to physically even be born the same way we all got here and what even Adam never experienced. Adam was made, Eve was made from Adam. They were never born. But Jesus was born of a woman, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross, buried and raised from the dead. And when I talk to him and when I relate with him, when I see what he says in scripture, I go, you know what? This isn't some guy just showed up for the weekend. He has been here. He lived. And there's huge chunks of time we don't even know what was going on. You get him born, you get him at about 12, then boom, nothing until about 30. What was he doing? He was living. He was making it work the same way I've got to make it work or not. 
He was walking with his father. He was talking with his father. He had relationship. He was living and demonstrating that it could be done and had some knowledge. It gave him credibility. I need a Jesus who's been here and done this. I don't need some guy who showed up for the weekend. So this baby thing is a huge deal. You've got to get him born. You've got to get him not just to fulfill prophecy, but it helps me knowing he has been here and he understands some of what, not the sin struggle that I have in terms of having sinned, but he was tempted, the scripture says, in all manner of sin, yet without sin. So it is possible. So she's told, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary, no. Go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm doing these a little bit out of order for a reason. Go to Matthew chapter 1. That covers Mary. Joseph gets covered in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, let's jump in at verse 18. And Matthew's version of this is, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, meaning were physical, intimate, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he's asleep. He has a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. Talk about a pregnancy test. He's already got the color here. She will bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying. And now, here he's being told this, and it's fulfilling prophecy. Here in Matthew talks about, Behold, the virgins shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now that's amazing obedience. But even Joseph knows there's a baby going to be born. This is not just any baby. This is the son of God. Now, I read this stuff. This guy must have been some extraordinary man. You say, well, if I had a dream and an angel showed up and told me all that, I'd do it too. You know what? I wonder. As I haven't got any angels showing up, back to the book, I got it written down. I got supposedly in my hand right here, the word of God. Yeah, but if an angel told me something, I'd do it. You won't even do it in black and white. What difference would it make if an angel showed up? Well, there'd just be some confirmation. I don't think so. If you won't read the directions, it's probably not going to change if an angel showed up. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 lays out the whole story about how they even got to Bethlehem. The shepherd, the portion about the shepherds coming in, the angels appearing out there to them. But I'd like to go down, let's go down here, verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days was completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, right? 
given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, to say the least in this case. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And that's what they brought because they were too poor. Well, they actually brought a lamb, but I think you understand what I mean by that. A pair of turtle doves and two pigeons. Now, look at this in verse 26. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, this is a huge difference. This is one of those guys who did not have the Holy Spirit in him. Old Testament, you didn't have that. But he had the Holy Spirit on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Okay? So somehow it had been revealed to Simeon, you're not going to die. All this prophecy, all this waiting for this baby to be born, it's going to happen before you die. Now, how do you think you would live every day if you thought that was part of your life? Every day he wakes up, he's got duties in the temple, and part of this thing that goes on in the temple is these babies showing up to be circumcised, the offerings made. You're checking, is it a boy? It's a boy. It could be it. Is this the baby? Is this the baby? Is this the baby? That is some anticipation thinking I am not dying and maybe he's ready to die, but I can't get out of here because I've been promised that this is going to happen before I die. So on a given day, keep reading here. Been revealed to him. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I can die now. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So he says this out loud with his baby in his arms. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yea, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then the similar here. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. This is the baby. Now you say, okay, Richard, you're reading all these verses. It's in the Bible. I don't believe the Bible, so there's no proof here. There's nothing here. This is all made up. You know, at some point, you've got to stop and think a minute. How do you think this is all made up? Someone was asking me the day about, we were talking about statistical probabilities. And if you take even 10, something like 10, 7 to 10 Old Testament prophecies, the statistical probability of even one of those things coming to pass was like one to the it was some astronomical number. Someone put it this way to me one day. He said, if you cover the state of Texas in quarters, about three inches thick, the whole state, and you said to someone, we have buried seven quarters in the state of Texas in all these quarters, you have to go pick them out 
you can't miss one time. You got to go somewhere in the state, reach down, and pull out a quarter, and seven times hit it every time. That's the probability of all these prophecies coming true. You say, well, that's impossible. Exactly. But you still won't believe. Even with all the statistical probabilities, even with all the scripture, at some point, what does it take? It takes some baby proof. It takes some very simple faith. And you have to get past yourself, get over yourself, say, God, you know what? I've complicated this. I'm so sophisticated. I'm so intelligent. I've got all these ways to explain it away. But are you willing to bank your entire eternity over all your brainiac stuff you've come up with? Or can you stop for a minute and go, God, there's something to this. And if there is, I'm listening. And as a child, I will come to you. Let me read you one more that might be a little bit easier in Matthew chapter 2. Verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, he gets all these Jewish guys, the leaders together, chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, every religious guy alive at the time, what do they tell him? And so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, how is it possible for all of these Jewish leaders to have an answer just like that? Where will Messiah be what? Born. They should be looking for a kid. They should be waiting for this child to be born, and supposedly they are, but they missed it. You keep reading, there's some other passages of Scripture where they said, well, he's not from Bethlehem. If they had done a little bit of research, they could have found out that during the taxation that talks about in Luke, he had gone, his family, his mom, and Joseph had gone to Bethlehem, and that's where he was born. If they had just asked a few questions, Jesus, where were you born? Bethlehem. Boom, he can be it. But even the Jewish people, even the Jewish rulers did not want him to be Jesus. They did not want him to be the Messiah because it wasn't the way they wanted it. It wasn't the way they thought he would come and they didn't get swept into his kingdom the way they thought they would be and run the place. So he inquired where he was to be born. They said to him, Bethlehem, Judea, is written by the prophet. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, starts doing the math, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also, which he has no intention of doing that. Go to one more passage, John chapter 1, and we'll shut it down with this. John chapter 1 And by the way, this is the Christmas story in John, in the book of John. You say, well, the Christmas story isn't in the book of John. Yeah, it is. It's one verse, and it's verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14. And this is what it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. A few thousand years ago, in a little stable, the word became flesh flesh was actually born my conviction is that the word became flesh a few months before that when that seed was planted in a mama's womb and a baby was in the process of being developed and he never ceased to be God Jesus never ceased to be God he went from being God in heaven to God inside that virgin's womb but never let go of the godness he let go of his glory for a little while to be here with us you want baby proof There's your baby proof. It's in the scriptures. This is not just some kid. 
This is the wonderful counselor, almighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father, without whom you are not going to make it. And I encourage you this time of year and the conversations that you have, you know, sometimes it's just merely sitting down with someone and say, you know what, I know you got a lot of questions. I wrote down some verses here. Let me just show you in the Bible. This isn't just some Christmas song. This isn't my opinion. I'll give you a little baby proof right here in the scriptures and see what it says. Did you know the Bible says this about this Jesus? There's something about someone reading it for themselves, seeing it in scripture where they go, wow, if I'm going to say no to that, I'm saying no to the Bible. I better think about that. I at least consider the ramifications of that. I encourage you to have these conversations and hopefully you're encouraged to know that he really was who he says he was. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. This program has always been about not only providing daily encouragement, but also daily challenge to help us grow in our faith, to continue being shaped into the person God desires us to be as his hands, feet, and voice to our hurting world. You know, not only is that the mission of the Richard Ellis Talks program, it's also the great commission of Pastor Richard himself to clearly share the simple message of the gospel in a way that leads people to Jesus, to reach everyone together. So these 25 talks of Christmas this month is a creative way for you to reach a friend with some encouraging teaching. We've made it real easy for you to do just that from the website richardellistalks.com. You'll see the Christmas Talks Advent Calendar, where every holiday-themed talk can be listened to, downloaded, or shared right from each day's door. The website is richardellistalks.com. So before we part ways for today, I'll remind you that you can automatically receive a direct text on your phone each and every morning that will link you to the most recent Christmas talk on the website Advent Calendar. Simply text the word Richard to our toll-free phone number, 855-6-RICHARD. That's the word Richard to 855-6-RICHARD. All this month, it's some Christmas words of hope, insight, and encouragement during the holiday season, when perhaps we need to hear the message of Emmanuel above the rest of the seasonal noise. So to automatically receive the daily link, text RICHARD to 855-6-RICHARD you'll have these 25 talks of Christmas whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. So until we get together for the next Christmas talk, thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.